Hello, hello. You're listening to the Career Changemaker podcast. Having the courage to leave a career that you have worked hard to build and try something else can be tough. So in each episode, we dive into key career change strategies so that you have a clear understanding of what is required to transition into a new role or a new industry without feeling like you have to start at the bottom or have to take a massive pay cut because hashtag ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) If you are ready for frank and honest discussions about how to become a career change maker, keep listening. I'm your host, lawyer turned career strategist and executive coach Janine Esrand. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. One of the things I love about hosting a podcast is that I get to meet incredible humans on a regular basis. And today I am sharing with you a conversation that I had with an awesome lady called Chrissa Boyce. She is a personal and executive coach, business consultant, speaker, and writer who supports and coaches professionals to level up to evolve in their careers and her experience includes supporting professionals and teams at organizations such as Goldman Sachs, Google, MIT, Live Nation and Walmart. So she has a lot to share and our conversation was very, very rich and very, very insightful. So if you are somebody who is looking to level up in your career, if you are a leader of other people, if you're looking to step up into leadership, then this conversation is definitely, definitely one that you want to lean into. So without further ado, let's dive into my conversation with Chrissa Boyce for being here I'm excited about our conversation today before we dive in and I ask you lots of questions uh, could you share a little bit about your background introduce yourself and then just share a bit about your career background and how we've got to where we are today yeah certainly so I am an executive coach and corporate consultant Uh, this is my second career Uh, my past life was in marketing and branding so I did uh, let's see, consumer experience or design, marketing, uh, visual merchandising for large retail brands. And it was a great training ground. It was also my big dream. I really wanted that job. I remember being very young and walking into a department store with my mom and her um, walking through a manic- like through a section where people were dressing the mannequins for the windows. And I turned to her and said, I want this to be my job. And of course, she, you know, dismissed me because what little like what little kid you know doesn't want to like dress up in clothes um but it was true i really wanted that to be my job and i figured out a way to make that happen um and it was an interesting path because i didn't have all the experience and schooling that i needed uh but i figured out a way to get into that field and so long story short i was in that field for quite a long time and uh as i was reaching like the top of what i wanted to accomplish i decided to make a career move and become a coach and so I've been a coach now for uh, almost 13 years. Awesome. So much I want to ask you about. My first question is what prompted the transition? Like you said, that was something you always wanted to do. Then you kind of was getting towards the top and then you decided to pivot. So what what was the thinking that you had around that? And what led you to say, actually, I want to do something else? Yeah. So I just like visual. I remember I was walking from the subway in New York City to my office on 7th Avenue and I had this like, great corner office and I was miserable. I just like hated everybody. I 
was annoyed at the traffic. I didn't want to go to my job. And I was like, what's wrong with me? Everything is so great. I have a great job that I actually love. I work with awesome people. I have a lot of autonomy. There were so many lovely things, but something in my constitution was off. And that was the first moment where I had to go, wait, what's wrong here? And so I think one of the challenges is when we're successful, which I was in my career, I accomplished a lot of things and I'd gotten to a place where many people would want to get to and stay. Um, when we're successful, we kind of think that we should just hang out there. Once we made it to this place, it's that's where we're going to be. But the idea of me staying there for the next like 30 years or however long it was going to be felt so confining. So um, for me, it was that moment where I wasn't happy going to work and not just like annoyed at having to get to work for a meeting, but truly just like not proud anymore that made me pause to consider. And I teach that to my clients because I think there's something real about once we accomplish a dream, it's time to like start dreaming about something new. Like it's, it, that's part of being a human, being expansive and creative and innovative. And so I had to confront that for myself. And then the little kind of side note underneath that was that I really loved developing my team and helping build coalitions inside my organization. And the further up to the top I got, the less I was doing that, the more I was kind of sitting in these endless meetings and attending conferences and not really making an impact in the way that I wanted to make an impact. So that also was something that was present to me. And I wanted to make sure I wasn't just sitting and just being somebody not doing anything and just talking. I wanted to be able to make an impact. So those two moments were what got me to confront it might be time for a shift. Yeah, I love that. And I resonate with that so much as someone who set the goal to become a lawyer and was like, I just need to do this. And then I kind of arrived and was like, uh, is this it? And then is this actually aligned to who I am as a person and the type of impact that I want to make? And I love that you highlighted the fact that sometimes people get to success and then they're like, I just have to be here because this is what I've set the goal for. Yes. Um, and mm -hmm. it's so important to recognize that you can reinvent yourself and you can go in different directions whenever you want. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that. When it comes to kind of your work at a leadership level and then now you're supporting other leaders in their in their work I'd love for you to share a little bit about some of the unique challenges that you experience amongst those who are in leadership positions where they need to perform and they need to be able to show up but there are things like imposter syndrome or just struggles around being able to do that confidently like a lot of my audience are women and I find in my coaching practice that there's unique challenges amongst the women that I speak to or that I coach around showing up as effective leaders. So it's such a great question and we can take it in so many different directions. Uh, the first thing I'm going to say about leaders is I, I feel like once we get to a leadership role, we think we need to have everything put together and that we know everything and that we need to um, be well versed in all areas. And uh, specifically when I'm working with women, uh, I have a couple of clients that I'm working with right now that are trying to get to like the most senior levels um, of their company and look to be in, in the C-suite. And they are so concerned with like, how do I know everything, all the inner workings of the business. Mm -hmm. And what's true about that is most people who are at the, in those levels don't need to know everything, right? They surround themselves with people who are specialists and experts, uh, and then they use them for advice and they make decisions um, from like the perspective of gathering data and information. So I think the first thing as a leader is it's important to know that your job is not to know everything. Your job is to know how to surround yourself with people who know everything that you don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think many of us feel 
that that can make us look bad or that can that's a detriment or a weakness, but it's not. So I think that's like an important evolution of someone growing in their in their ability to lead from manager to true leader. The other thing that I will say that's a big kind of sticking point for people is learning how to shift from managing process to managing people. People just require different techniques and different skills. And managing process is just about being efficient and productive and, you know, managing workflows. People are very different, right? They require empathy. They require listening. They require the nuance of being able to understand the balance between their skills and their talent and their confidence and their willingness and being always able to assess that and make adjustments depending on the project or tactic or task that uh, we're asking someone to do, even at a senior level, even, even at a VP level. So those are the places where I think new leaders and even senior leaders always need support to be more effective. Yeah, that is so, so good. I love that. And when it comes to having the people around you, I think a challenge that can come up is actually building effective relationships with those people, right? Because it's like you can have the right people around you, but then how do you make sure that you're approaching them in a way where you're going to get the best out of them and in a way where you're actually cultivating camaraderie and like a good culture of an environment? What are some of the ways that you've seen work to build effective relationships within your team? Yeah, that's a great question. Because um, you can have great talent on your team and then still people are not jiving and the productivity is not what you want it to be. From a leadership standpoint, the thing I tell my clients is you must fall in love with all your people. <laughs> if you do not, and I say it in this way, like I mean it in this almost kind of over obnoxious way. If you do not love your people, it's not going to work. Right. So even the people that challenge you or intimidate you or the ones that are um, a little bit more introverted or extroverted and your personality doesn't happen to jive, you must really fall in love with all your people or at least find a quality or two inside of everyone that you are madly in love with, meaning you're willing to champion it, you're willing to support it, you're willing to draw it out. Because if you don't do that, then the people will annoy you because people tend to annoy us <laughs> and we will inadvertently have bias. So then we don't ask them questions. We don't incorporate them into meetings. We tend to uh, dismiss them. And a lot of it's subconscious. And what that ends up doing on the team is it produces favoritism. And it also creates a culture where some people don't speak up. And then you don't get the best result from really talented people. So I think starting off with like falling in love with all your people and doing the work in yourself. Because for me as a leader, it's not, I don't have the choice to not love my people. If I don't love them, I have to fall in love with them or I have to move them because no one's going to be successful. I think once we can really know that, there's so much more possibility as to how we can develop a team and a culture because the foundation is really strong at that point. If you don't love your people, it's going to trickle down and there will be silos and gossiping amongst your team. And that is never productive. Mm, that is so good. I've never heard anyone talk about it in that way in terms of people talk about getting to know your team and knowing your team but actually loving like an aspect of each person and leaning into that is golden because that just shifts the way yeah. you people especially when they annoy yeah. you <laughs> I mean, you know, that your clients, right? You have to love your clients. Otherwise, you can't really help them. You know, even if they're not necessarily your people or someone you would jive with outside of a working engagement, if you don't really love them, you can't contribute to them fully. Yeah. Oh, that is so, so good. So, so good. Um, how, what, if there are people who are like, 
saying, okay, I know that I need to cultivate relationships more. I know that I need to look at how I can love people, but I'm just not that way inclined. Like, I am an introvert. I'm not an extrovert. I'm not someone who is like easily good with people. Are there any like simple um, techniques or approaches that people can take to be like, okay, if this feels foreign to you, try this or like start here? Yeah, uh, I resonate with that because I am actually someone that is an ambivert. So I fall right in the middle. You know, Mm -hmm. I have like total introvert tendencies. This weekend I had, you know, birthday party for a friend. By like day two, I needed to shut out and not talk to anyone. I was like, okay, overload of humans. Thank you. No more. And then there's the other part of me that can be the life of the party and the center of attention and happy to coalesce and be leading the group. And I can go back and forth. So I think it's important to, first of all, understand how what you need to get your own needs met. And that's a very important component of figuring out how to navigate what's going to work for how you're going to build relationships because everyone has a different rhythm. So that's the first piece is getting, are you introverted? And okay, if you're introverted, how do you then figure out what you need to do to build connections? Because introverts work better one-on-one. They don't work as well in group settings. So then my recommendation there would be to think about how do you build one-on-one intimate connections with people where you're not trying to manage staff meetings or conferences or politicking and networking with your team, like uh, company dinners and things like this. If you're an extrovert, you can do kind of mass networking, mass people, you know, coalition building because you like that forum. Um, and if you're somewhere in the middle like me, you figure out your blend so that there is um, a nice balance and you're not overloaded one way or the other. So that's the first piece is really understanding what your style is, what your preferences are personally. But then the next thing I will say is that systems and process are key. And just having a good rhythm. And one of the things I recommend to my clients is actually putting into their calendar. And the words I use, I try to be funny with my clients to make them laugh a little bit. But I call it shaking babies and kissing hands. Um, And what I mean by that is like it's actual time that you're dedicating to uh, connecting, politicking, building relationships. And whether that's sending an acknowledgement email to someone on your team to say thank you for helping or appreciate your contribution here or it's like meeting with someone on your leadership team to build a relationship. You have dedicated time set aside and it's consistent. And I think figuring out our process and our system for how to do that is paramount because within process and systems, everything is handled, but we have a lot of freedom. So we don't feel like we're always like behind the eight ball on building the relationships. Yeah, I love that. I love the, the you know, having a process um, and carving out time because like if it's not on the calendar it's not going to get done you can have all the attention in the world of like yeah I'm gonna you know network effectively every week or I'm gonna follow up with this person but when you get busy you get busy and then it just falls off so I think it's so so important to like have it on the calendar and commit to it and recognize that it's it's important like it's something you have to do consistently yes Exactly. And then one other thing for the introverts um, who might be listening to this, because I know introverts have a really hard time with building relationships and maintaining rapport because they can go inward. And sometimes introverts can come off as like cold or standoffish leaders. Um, The thing I will say for both sides, actually, uh, the first point is let, let people know your style. If you tell people, okay, look, I'm really introverted. So if I'm a little distant or not as responsive or not as engaged, it's not personal. It's really more my style. So that way people know how to respond to you and they don't make up stories in their head, especially if they're your, 
you're their boss or, you know, you're managing up to a board or a C-suite team or, you know, even like a senior leadership team. So there's that, making sure people understand. The other piece is for introverts specifically is taking time every day to say hello to people or connect with people on your team. Introvert, I'm sorry, extroverts are more likely to go check in with people, say, how are you doing? What's happening on this project? You know, tap them on Slack or call someone to see how their night went because they knew their baby was sick or something. Our introverts are less likely to do that. So making it a regular practice, checking with people is also a good point for introverts to stay connected and be able to maintain that rapport. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's so good. It's that intention and recognizing where your resistance might come up and then coming up with a plan to counter that. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about is when you are working in an environment where things change, like we are in just such crazy times, right, where things are changing so frequently, how do you adapt um, as as a leader or as someone who's transitioning into a completely new space when everything just sometimes feels like it's up in the air? Um, what are some of the things that people can be thinking about when it comes to adaptability, resilience, because I feel like right now we just don't know what's going on. <laughs> like there's always something new for us to figure out. Um, and so within organizations, yeah. there's lots of challenges, right? Hey, hey, hey. I am super excited because I have a handful of spots open for one-to-one coaching. I am looking to work with more of you who are highly ambitious, very driven, know where you want to get to but are struggling to get there because you feel as though you're being overlooked and undervalued for the contribution that you're making. You know that you need to get more visible, you know that you need to show up more, you understand that creating a personal brand that is speaking for you when you're not in the room is important so that you can move towards your career goals but you don't quite know how to make it happen and for you I am extending the invitation to come and join me inside of Elevate. This is my one-to-one high-touch coaching program that is designed to help you to advance into your next role, secure your next client, position yourself for the opportunities that you want by being intentional with your personal brand, making sure that your digital footprint is tight. Yes, I mean, LinkedIn is looking good and attracting the right opportunities and making sure that you're able to show up with confidence and fully articulate the value that you're able to bring to your next opportunity. I am excited to dig deep come up with your personalized strategy and your plan and support you with the accountability and coaching that is required to help you to get there. So if this sounds good to you, if you know that you need some support with really taking your career to the next level, book a call with me and let's explore you joining the Elevate program. So head over to careerchangemakers.com forward slash call so that you can book a fitting call and then let's have a conversation about whether or not this program is a good fit for you. I look forward to speaking to you. Yes, so many between hybrid working, Mm-hmm. Is it two days a week? Is it three days a week? Is it five days a week? What are we doing? Um, what's happening in the world? Are we in a recession? Are we not in a recession? Like all these questions. Are we hiring people? Are we firing people? What's going on? So yes. So I think the first um, point on this one is to not take anything personally. And I, I think if we really show up in that way, not take anything personally or don't make assumptions, I think slash 
don't, you know, don't make assumptions. I, it sets us up for the right sort of perspective on it all, because I, because I think as leaders, not only are we also absorbing what changes and shifts mean to us. So if we're working in an environment that all of a sudden is now going to like full-time work or we're changing our hybrid schedule or there's like a different demand, we also have to process that for ourselves, but then we have to be able to deal with our team's emotions and help our team understand. So it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot to ask of someone. And I think if we really are able to separate and not take it personally or make assumptions about why things are going on, um, then it makes it easier to really deal with it objectively. That doesn't mean we can't have our feelings around it, but I really truly like not taking it personal, I think is smart. I, I once worked for someone that was, um, you know, one of these uh, very anxious people who needed to know what was going on. This was many years earlier in my career, and she really needed to know what was going on all the time. And I remember I had a hard time with that because there was lots of texts, a lot of emails, and it was very overloading for me because I'm someone that wants to come tell you where everything is once it's done. Like, I want to handle it, manage it, and present to you. That's how I feel. But for some people, they want constant touch points, right? They want to be in the play-by-play. And that can be challenging for people who don't feel comfortable presenting information when it's not fully baked. And the... I would get so upset and feel so offended, like not trusted and not supported. And like I was being micromanaged and all that created a horrible experience for me until I learned that it had nothing to really do with me. It really had to do with this person's style. And they were someone that was very verbal, very communicative. And they also just wanted to be in the know because that was the way that they were attached to the business. And when I was able to separate those two things out, I was able to build a better relationship, but also my experience of work was better. So when I saw a message come through at the time on BlackBerry, that was how long ago this was, uh, which BlackBerry had the best keyboard ever for anyone who remembers a BlackBerry. We really need to resurrect that keyboard. It made typing so much better. But whenever I saw a message pop up, I wasn't immediately like pit in my stomach. I was able to stay above that sort of like ugh, visceral feeling and it allowed me to be a better problem solver and it allowed me to be more innovative in how I was going to deal with managing a request or figure out how to pivot. So staying above the circumstances and not taking it personally or making assumptions is where I think we, we need to start. Yeah. Um, and then we can figure out tactics from there. Yeah, that is such a big one because so often a lot of the, the perceived challenges that people face in the workplace has a lot to do with the stories that they tell themselves because when we mm-hmm. ask like, okay so what did they actually say or do you know that to be true oftentimes it's like well no but it must be this it's like really do we know that exactly <laughs> exactly so important I love that like make sure that you're not taking it personally it's often about the person more than it is about you but that also points to the importance of communication and being able to recognize when you need to communicate with other people how you approach things and when you need to ask questions of other people to say okay you said this does this actually mean this or does it mean that rather than reading between the lines and getting the wrong answer yes that's right that's right um one of the things i ask my clients to do is take a learning styles quiz i don't know if you recommend this to people but i think it's important for people to understand how people how people process information and, you know, some people love to write things down and they'll send you nice long emails with bullets. Some people like me will call you every 10 minutes to find out what's going on. 
I always tell my clients and even people that work for me, if you send me an email, I'm never going to, like, I'll read it. I'll respect that you sent it to me, but I can't process a long email. We have to talk it out. And I think it's important to understand people's styles because sometimes styles can feel offensive. I remember one time I was coaching this client for this concert company. And she had a person that worked for her that was a like audio learner. And we were in a coaching session and she was about to go do her performance review. And she was concerned because she was going to give this particular direct report really negative feedback because the experience my client was having, who was someone that was more of a visual learner and someone that had to read to learn, uh, was that this person wasn't really operating on their own. They weren't being self-sufficient. They weren't uh, processing information and they were constantly bombarding my client because they weren't kind of figuring things out on, you know, and getting solutions and bringing, bringing them to my client in the way that she wanted. And when she downloaded all these things to me, I was like, can we pause for a second before we do the performance review? Because I actually think you have a style problem, not a performance problem. And there's a big difference between styles or I call them preferences and performance issues and personality issues. And I think distilling down, like specifically learning styles makes a huge difference in organization and then there's also communication styles that people need to consider but there's so many times we butt up people's preferences and styles that like we get so frustrated and we think it means something else but once we understand what it is we can easily manage to it and it makes all the difference yeah absolutely and i i like to get clients to focus on communication styles like you mentioned too because mm-hmm. i think what ends up happening is when you understand someone else's learning style communication style the level of empathy that you can have for that person goes up so rather than being like why would they do that like who does that because you do it one way you're able to put yourself in their shoes and say oh okay like my preference is this but theirs is that so therefore how are we then going to move forward so that everybody has a win-win versus feeling attacked or feeling misunderstood so yeah that's right exactly Mm -hmm. so good oh I love it I like to ask guests that come on the show to share a mantra a saying um something that they like to live by that's been either impactful for them or for other people have you got anything that you would like to share in that regard like a saying a phrase that Mm. you So the one that comes to mind initially is ask for forgiveness, not permission. Mm. And I, I've heard, I first heard this phrase by a boss that I had many years ago. And she was someone that really believed in me. And just for a note, since we're in like Women's History Month, um, you know, she was one of these like leaders that definitely backed me up, went to bat to make sure I was I'm getting a raise and promoted and truly was a great support to me and I remember we were on this work trip and we were trying to get a meeting with this um, CEO of another company that we wanted to do business with and we couldn't get on the calendar just the the assistant wasn't being responsive the the person was traveling it just was really challenging to figure out a way to meet with this person and eventually she decided we were just going to go show up at the office and see if he was there and we did and we were walking up like uh, to the door from the elevator and there was no one like in the room, like at the receptionist desk. And it was, you know, it was, like, you know, true offices, you gotta be like buzzed in and you can see the glass doors and we're like knocking on the door. She's knocking on the door. And I'm like, do you think we should do this? And she's like, I'd rather ask for forgiveness and, you know, not permission to try to get this deal done. So yes. 
And I remember her saying that and being really impressed by her tenacity and also her willingness to like look bad, fail, be rejected, get a no. And it was quite a learning moment for me because I wouldn't have done that, especially then in my career. I would have waited for someone to say it's okay to make the, you know, to get the permission to make the leap. I, again, because I like to make sure things are all set up and taken tied. I'd want to be fully prepared for the meeting. She wasn't. She was walking in and going to wing it. And so I was really impacted by that. And I try to live by that now because I think there's something to be said of just starting where you're where you're at and going for it versus always waiting for it to be okay. Because at the end of the day, there's so many variables coming at us that we can feel we can go to bed tonight and go, okay, I'm totally ready for this. And then tomorrow morning, the world has changed and all of a sudden your circumstances are different and you're not ready yet. So yeah, ask for that permission. Okay. So now I need to know, did you get the meeting with the guy? Cause like you can't we did, actually. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. We did. He was there. We waited for a little bit of time. It was fine. And then, although we didn't get the full go ahead on doing the deal that we wanted to do that day, a couple of months later, we were able to like sign the deal and move forward. Amazing. That is such yeah. a good lesson. I love the phrase, but it's such a good lesson on like going for what you want because mm -hmm. sometimes we'd be waiting forever and things don't happen. So yes, that's right. So good. Mm -hmm. So if people want to learn more about you, the work that you do and the amazing impact that you're making, where's the best place for them to find you? Oh, yes. So you can go to my website. It's chrissazboyce.com. And all the information about my offerings and things that I do are listed there. For those who are listening, I do executive coaching. That is the world in which I love to focus in, one-on-one um, -on -one individual development for clients. But I also offer corporate consulting where I do operations and process improvement consulting for clients. There is a balance between offering a leader to get better at soft skills, but then helping them figure out how to operationalize that into systems. And that's like the structure and the lifeblood of a business. So, and sometimes people have a hard time with figuring out what's the right meeting cadence? What, what, do, what do agendas look like? How do we you know, set up on a larger scale, even systems for hiring good talent? So that is another piece of the offering um, that I will give to clients. So I love it. I love how missing that is. It's like support the individual, but then also give them the right setup to be able to operate. To them. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a miss sometimes in coaching because coaching can be really supportive, but it leaves the client with all the execution on their hands, yeah. which is fine. I mean, they are the experts and our job as coaches is to help guide, guide them and give them advice. But sometimes people need a little bit more support on that. And I find it's really helpful when you can do both sides of the equation, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so good. Thank you for coming today and sharing your amazing wisdom with our audience. Um, I appreciate you being here. It's been awesome. So thank you. Thank you for having me. It was lovely chatting with If you are looking to make your next best career move sooner rather than later, and you'd like some specific, personalized, tailored support as you make your transition, I invite you to book a fitting call with us. We'll discuss which of our programs or services could be the best fit for you as you move forward. Head over to www.careerchangemakers.com and book your call today.